Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. KFI AM 640 Los Angeles. Orange County. And KOST HD2. It's 5 a.m. What did you miss? It's time for Wake Up Call with Jennifer Jones-Lee. Good morning and welcome to an Olympic Friday. That's right. The Olympic opening ceremonies are underway right now. And you know what? I know we haven't had all the hype that normally leads up to the Olympics because of this whole COVID thing, but it is still really cool. They've got the parade of athletes going through right now. Egypt just went through a second ago. I know the United States all the athletes just boarded a bus a little bit ago to go do their walkthrough, of course. And, uh, you know, I mean, the magic is still there, of course. The Olympic torch arrived in Tokyo ahead of the ceremony this morning. So I'll keep you up to date as we go through. This is KFI and KOSTHD2 Los Angeles. Welcome to your Friday and your wake up call. Some of the other stories we'll be watching. Violent crime in L.A. County remains in double digits. Sheriff Villanueva says over the last week, homicides went up 56%. And L.A. County's health director, Barbara Ferrer, says there's been an 80% increase in the cases of COVID-19 over the last week, most all of which are the Delta variant. 505, we're going to talk with ABC's Karen Travers. As of right now, the White House says it has no plans to change the current mask guidance for vaccinated people. And the administration also lashed out out at one state where the governor is pushing for a maskless school year. But what is so funny about this is while they're mad at each other, they are both basing their claims on science and public health guidelines. So who's right? And how do you fight each other if you both are showing your math? I'm fascinated by this. We'll get more with Karen in just a few minutes. Well, like I mentioned, the Olympic torch has arrived in Tokyo. The opening ceremonies are underway right now. It started out with uh, just a beautiful sort of dance uh, rendition, dance uh, by the a, a lot of Japanese athletes and a lot of just uh, Japanese performers. It was a beautiful start to it. And now you've got the parade of athletes going through. I'm looking currently we are on E. So El Salvador is coming through right now. And uh, it's being televised around the world. But the Olympic Stadium is almost completely empty, just apart from some officials and dignitaries. And of course, this is because of COVID-19. Now, the Olympic medical chief says about 100 of the 613 American athletes are unvaccinated. Competition starts tomorrow. The games are, of course, a year late because of the delay caused by the pandemic. Now, with the opening ceremony underway, competition, like I said, starts tomorrow. And despite demands from protesters, the games be stopped to prevent further spreading of COVID-19. Executive Director for uh, Executive Director Christoph Duby says handling of COVID hasn't changed. Identify, isolate, trace and care. And this is exactly what we're doing. 
He says so far there have been 110 COVID cases directly linked to the games. Well, violent crime in L.A. County remains in double digits. Sheriff Villanueva says over the last week, homicides went up 56 percent. Aggravated assaults went up 10 percent and crimes where a weapon was used jumped 50 percent. The sheriff also says the grand theft auto went up 29. Arson increased by nine. Villanueva says crime is spiking because things in the county are reopening and would-be criminals are aware that the new D.A. may not prosecute. L.A. County health officials say they are worried about another COVID-19 surge. Health Director Barbara Ferrer says there's been an 80% increase in cases from last week, but one of the lagging indicators for the severity of the infections is the rate of hospitalization. Because of this lag, we still believe it's too early to say with 100% certainty whether the small uptick we're seeing in hospitalizations is the beginning of a small wave of hospitalizations or the start of a more devastating surge. Ferrer says there are 645 people in a hospital with the virus, 22% of whom are in the ICU. Last week, there were 406 people in a hospital with COVID-19. Steve Gregory, KFI News. Now, the head of the CDC says this rise in COVID cases because of the Delta variant hasn't caused the agency to change its guidance on face masks. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about when we go to Karen Travers in just a few minutes. The Biden administration is going right along with those CDC guidelines. And what's funny is a governor is being called out for what he wants to do, a maskless policy with kids. They're both basing their claims on either science or the public health agency guidance, whatever it is. And they're both mad at each other. It's kind of hard to explain, but Karen will in just a second. 506 on your wake-up call. Karen Travers, happy Friday to you. So let's talk about the mask guidance coming out of mm-hmm. the, the Biden administration. And they're saying we're still going to go right along with what the CDC says, which mm-hmm. at this point is if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear yep. a mask because you're safe. Yeah, that's been the guidance now for a couple of weeks, and that's where the guidance will be until there is some significant change. And the White House yesterday, from the president to Jen Psaki to other senior officials, weren't giving any hints that there was an imminent change coming. We heard the president say, we follow the science. We heard Jen Psaki say, we're guided by science and public health experts. And they're also making it clear that any decision like this on updated mask guidance would come from the CDC. And I think it's important to emphasize their guidance because this is not a federal mandate that they're talking about. We haven't seen that except for transportation uh, in the last couple of months. But, you know, there is a a growing concern about two things. (laughs) No surprise, very split here. Growing concern about the increase in cases, just astounding numbers that we're seeing in Florida right now and concerns about the spread of the Delta variant and and what this means for people. The other concern, though, is about sliding backwards. You know, there's been a lot of fanfare about things reopening and people being able to put their masks aside if they're vaccinated and concerns that that's all going to have to go back into place. The president, I think, was saying it very clearly yesterday, though, that this is going to be up to local places, too, as you guys know out there in L.A., uh, to decide how things look in your particular area and what changes, if any, need to be made. Okay, now let's talk locally and not necessarily locally, Mm -hmm. but this way on a statewide level with Ron DeSantis in Mm -hmm. Florida. He wants to have kids maskless when they go back to school. What I think is so interesting about this is I know that the Biden administration is upset with DeSantis. He's upset with the Biden administration, yet both of them are showing their math by using either science or public health agency guidance. So in Mm -hmm. a way, it's like, who? how can you be mad at each other when you both have valid reasons (laughs) for saying what you're saying? 
Yeah, and I think, you know, the Biden administration will say that what he is doing without, you know, having mandates for schools on masks for young children, that that puts kids at risk. That's what Jen Psaki said from the podium yesterday when I asked her a question about this. She said it's also not aligned with public health guidelines. And again, to just I think we do have to keep emphasizing this because we were confused even this week because of something the president said at his town hall on Tuesday night. But the guidance right now from the CDC is students who are vaccinated don't have to wear masks in school this fall unless they're on a bus or unless their school says they have to. The American Academy of Pediatrics this week, though, said that their recommendation is that all students over the age of two should wear masks in school, even if they are vaccinated, because it's going to be hard for schools to determine who's vaccinated. Uh, and they're concerned, obviously, about these breakthrough cases and just to keep everybody safe. And what we heard from the governor of Florida yesterday is that Florida is not going to mandate that in schools. DeSantis said kids need to be kids, uh, that it's uncomfortable wearing a mask and that he wants them to be able to breathe. Unbelievable. And now these schools have to be going, who do we listen to? I mean, what a mess for everybody. Karen, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks. Hey, you too. See you later. That's ABC's Karen Travers. Who? Okay. Who do you listen to? And if you are a parent who strongly believes one way or the other, I have no doubt that you're probably going to go to your school board meeting. And say, I know that L.A. County is mandating this, but you've got the CDC mandating this or what you you are going to have valid documentation from some agency right now, because every agency is on its own platform. You are going to have something that says, look, according to the CDC or look, according to L.A. County, I don't envy Parents and kids right now, I know that they're on social media right now, is, you know, when uh, everybody got the COVID vaccine and you could put like a a little border around your picture, say on Facebook or something that said, you know, I got vaccinated or I voted, whatever those things are. Now there's one that say unmask our kids that I've seen on Facebook a lot. So this is going to be quite a fight in the fall. I have a feeling. Cal Fire says the fire burning mostly in Plumas County is now 18% contained. That fire has more than tripled to 113,000 acres since Monday. Fire authorities say crews are making progress against that fire burning in Oregon. They say it's now 40% contained after destroying 70 homes and burning an area about half the size of Rhode Island. Another fire burning near Lake Tahoe. That one, that's the Topaz Lake community. That one's been evacuated. Twelve more aircraft have been added to the fleet to fight wildfires in California. Cal Fire was able to get them via a $2 billion grant that was set aside for the California Comeback Plan to fight fires and prepare for future ones. As soon as it got access to the aircraft yesterday, Cal Fire sent nine of them to fight new fires. Five Republicans in the recall election of Governor Newsom will have a televised debate next month at the Richard Nixon Presidential Library in Yorba Linda. Former San Diego Mayor Kevin Falconer, radio talk show host Larry Elder, businessman John Cox, Assemblyman Kevin Kiley, and former California Congressman Doug Osi will all be on stage. The debate will be held on August 4th. Some homeowners impacted by a recent raw sewage spill near El Segundo may be eligible for compensation by the owners of the plant. On July 11th, workers at the Hyperion Water Reclamation Plant discharged 17 million gallons of raw sewage into the ocean through a one-mile pipeline. The discharge caused a, uh, hmm, shall we say, pungent odor, making some people ill. 
The plan's offering either a stipend toward a new air conditioner or housing at a hotel. That's nice. The offer expires July 29th. Plant managers say the sewage discharge was necessary to prevent backflow damage to the facility. Well, another major internet outage, the third in two months, took down some huge websites yesterday. I don't know if you happen to be on any of these, like Amazon, Costco, UPS. And the disruption is linked to content distribution network, Akimi. Cybersecurity expert Scott Spiro says it highlights the risk of relying on so few internet companies. There's a a very small number of companies that have huge control over the internet functioning properly. If one of them becomes impeded or becomes hacked or breached, it can affect all of us. The company says it wasn't a cyber attack, but rather a bug in its software system. Well, a structural engineer hired to determine what caused the condo building in Florida to collapse last month says there are still safety concerns at the site. Alan Kishmeyer says that he wrote a letter to officials in Surfside saying the remains of the condo walls aren't safely secured. Something that affects the life safety, potential life safety of the public. I have to notify the, the authorities properly. That's what I did. Kilschmer says the remaining walls near streets and sidewalks need to be reinforced or they could crumble and hurt more people in the area. And scientists say they've mapped the interior of Mars using data from a lander. The map shows Mars has a drastically different interior than Earth. Earth has a thinner crust with a solid iron and nickel core, while readings from the Mars InSight lander show that Mars has a much thicker crust and a liquid core made of light elements like hydrogen, oxygen, and sulfur. The lander used seismometers to measure seismic waves from Mars quakes that bounce around in the interior of the planet. Mars has very little seismic activity compared to Earth, making the red planet ideal for this kind of study. Brian Bruman, KFI News. All right, when we come back, it's your Biz Bites for this Friday, and Hollywood is leaving and going to so-called Tamalewood. I had no idea, A, that there was a thing or a nickname for it, but that apparently is the case. NFL teams better mind their COVID P's and Q's if they want to play this year, and there's an industry that definitely was not hurt by COVID-19, and what's weird is it's an industry that you and I probably use every single day every single day but we never really think about it so i'll tell you what it is coming up kfi am 640 live everywhere on the iheart radio app Opening ceremonies of the Olympics in Tokyo are underway right now. So you've got, uh, actually, the Team USA just got off the buses. It's the parade of athletes that's happening this morning. And uh, Team USA is wearing red and white striped sort of bandanas around their heads. And then they have dark blue and white shirts on with blue jackets over the top. Very cool look on them, I must say. But uh, it's just, it's weird. Because, you know, usually during the opening ceremonies, they have like pomp and circumstance in the beginning and they have dancing and, and, you know, music and all that kind of stuff. They did have that. And you do have the parade of athletes, which is always it's so symbolic. All the teams come through waving the flag of their country. And, you know, there's so much pride and, and, and it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. It's just weird because the stands are totally empty. They've got kind of a red hue over the inside of the arena where the where everybody's walking through. But that's it. 
So you have a whole bunch of, I'm not sure if they are uh, part of the IOC or, or a committee that was put together in Japan or what, but they are on kind of like, um, how do I explain this? If you were a football player and, you know, when a football team sometimes come out onto the field in the high school game and they break through a banner that the cheerleaders are holding and then the cheerleaders stand on the sides of them and let them run through and it's kind of like a little tunnel with their arms up in the air and they're jumping around and that kind of thing. That's what this looks like. But it's a whole bunch of people who from Japan who are dressed in very traditional Japanese uh, garb and, and it's beautiful. It's just weird that they're the only ones. There's no other cheering. And they are socially distanced for the most part. So anyway, as the teams walk through, they're all masked up. They all have their flags. And so the pride is still there. And if you have... You know, I'm sure that for a lot of these Olympians, that if they have trained their whole lives for this, they don't care if there's fans in the stands or not. They probably wish they were there, but they're thinking to themselves, I don't care. At least I got to the Olympics. And I'm, I'm going to go with that. Stay on the positive side, right? Well, at 535, it's our Friday chat with KFI's house whisperer, Dean Sharp. And we're getting deep with Dean this morning. We're going to go to class with Dean, and he's going to have some house history for us. And at first I thought, house history, eh, it doesn't sound very fun. It is fascinating. Why do you make the bed? What does the phrase chairman of the board come from? Things like that, that I just thought was fantastic. So that's coming up with Dean in a second. But right now, it's your chance to win some money. KFI has your chance to win $1,000. Text the nationwide keyword, HOPE. H-O-P-E to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's HOPE to 200-200. And if you are the winner, you know the drill. You get a call from a number you don't recognize. You have to answer that. Otherwise, they'll go on to somebody who will pick up the phone. Your next chance to win comes at 720 with Handle. But right now, I've got a taste of your morning biz bites. Is Hollywood leaving California for New Mexico? Well, apparently the answer is yes. And they they say that they're leaving from, I guess the nickname in Hollywood is they're leaving Hollywood to go to Tamalewood. And it's in order to take advantage of a 35% tax incentive in New Mexico. So you've got major production companies like Netflix and NBC Universal that have both built studios in Albuquerque within the last year. And despite the pandemic, you had 26 film and 24 TV projects that were produced in the state. And so far, New Mexico has reportedly rolled in $623 million from the entertainment industry. Now, there are some local leaders, though, in New Mexico who say they're opposed to using taxpayer money to fund the movie industry. Because they say if you're attracting all this spending to the state, that's great. But what are you spending to attract all those businesses to come here? Still, over the next decade, Netflix has committed to spending $2 billion on production in New Mexico, while the state expects to put in $38 million to incentivize the programs. Well, the NFL has warned teams, look, you could lose some money if there's a COVID outbreak among unvaccinated players in the 2021 season. So CNBC got a hold of this memo where the NFL informed team executives and head coaches that it doesn't plan to reschedule games as it did in the 2020 season because of outbreaks. Instead, the league wrote, postponements will only occur if required by government authorities, medical experts, or the NFL commissioner. The NFL notes most of its teams 
have vaccinated 100% of their top staff and set up protocols for staff who aren't vaccinated. But the league said more than 75% of players are in the process of being vaccinated. And more than half the clubs have vaccination rates more than 80% of their players. If the games are moved or canceled because of unvaccinated individuals and teams, players could also face penalties. And there's an industry that outperformed the market since 2015. And pandemic did not stop it at all. It's the garbage industry. It's something you and I use every single day and we don't think about it. Now, landfills have made a majority of their revenue on tipping fees. And at first, (laughs) tipping fees? What is a tipping fee? Those are the fees that are charged to the trucks that drop off their garbage based on weight. The tipping fees. So they're tipping them over. Anyway, because landfills require a lot of investment up front, many private companies have replaced municipal governments to uh, their own and operate landfills. Private companies also played a huge role in finding new ways beyond tipping fees to get a profit. And what they're doing is they are landfill mining and landfill gas to energy projects. So it's a whole industry that you don't even think of. When you put your trash at the curb, you just assume it goes to a landfill and you kind of don't think much of it after that. Oh, no. All these different private companies are saying, we are going to make money off of that. And they're doing just that. All right. Tyler Whitman. You didn't even know I was going to do this this morning. Get used to it, buddy. Tyler is now the new technical producer for Wake Up Call, The Bill Handel Show. John Ramirez left us yesterday after years on Wake Up Call. Tyler, we are thrilled to have you, though, as a part of our new family. Oh, good morning. And thank you so much, Jen. I appreciate that. I'm happy to be here. Tell the Wake Up Call family about you. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, I've been with iHeart for about three months. Honestly, had no really radio experience prior to coming here. I did do an internship at Fox Sports Radio a couple years back, but pretty pretty ripe still, and I kind of just jumped in <laughs> and started learning things quickly, and John obviously had an opportunity elsewhere, which created an opportunity here, and I I was selected, so here I am. Okay, the, what I want the Wake Up Call family to know is Tyler has one of the snarkiest senses of humor of anybody I have ever met. Wow. And I feel like I have to up my game when I'm around you. First impressions, Jen. I mean, it's a good thing. First impressions. <laughs> I mean, this could have been a good opportunity maybe next week, two weeks from now. But all right. But today, right the no, uh, absolutely. Are you kidding? Oh, right yeah. Out you're, the gates. Here we, we are. are. Yeah, I'm putting you right into the fire. And right. by the way, everybody, Tyler just got married. Also true. So Tyler gets a new gig and a new wife. And, uh, and then. Now you're in. I mean, this is this is the kind of fast life you're leading right now. It is. It's all happening very quickly, and uh, I'm very fortunate and grateful. Happy to be here. Okay, so uh, you know you're working with me. You know you're working with Alex. Then okay, we're pretty benign, but then you know you're working with Handel. Oh yeah. I've, what I've been. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Warned. I'm gonna say warned. Yeah. Yeah. For lack of a better word, but yes. I mean, Handel's Handel's great. He's Handel. So if you can, <laughs> if you can. Hang with Handel, then you can pretty much hang with anybody else, right? Amen to that. Tyler, we are thrilled to have you as part of the crew now. And uh, so everybody, you're going to be here in Tyler's name. Handel is going to call Tyler out as much as possible because you know that's what he does to all the new people. So just be ready for that, Tyler. But uh, we're thrilled to have you here. And uh, you are a ton of fun in the mornings. And I look forward to it. I'm ready. Thank you so much, Jen. Happy to be here.
All right, great. All right, you guys, Tyler Whitman. Tyler, hey, what's your uh, social media handle so people can follow you? Uh, it's ty.whitman is uh, my Instagram, and I don't really use anything else, if I'm being honest. Okay. Or at least not yet. Ty.whitman. All right, we'll have to set you up on Twitter, too, because okay. a lot of our wake-up call listeners like to tweet us in the mornings, sure. little things and whatnot. And uh, by the way, they will criticize your bumper music. Oh, great. I look forward to that. And I do have a Twitter, but I can't remember the handle right now, so I'll give it to everybody later if they want it. Okay, sounds good. Fair enough. I'll tweet it out later. JJLKFI, I'll tweet it out. Sounds good. Thanks, Jen. All right, absolutely. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk House Whisperer, KFI's House Whisperer, Dean Sharp. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be very honest with him. When he said he wanted to talk House history, my eyes might have rolled a little bit because I thought, boring. Not boring at all. In fact, I was freaking fascinated. And once again, I was wrong. I deserve that so much. It's KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to a Friday and your wake-up call. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. And, of course, we are watching the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games in Tokyo. This morning officially kicks off two weeks of competition that will be held in front of thousands of empty seats, which is so weird because it's just like the opening. Right now they've got the parade of athletes going through, which is just such a moment of pride for every country. All of the athletes waving their flags, you know, smiling under the masks. You can see how happy they are. And uh, But there's nobody in the stands. It's so weird. And L.A. County's health director says there's been an 80% increase in cases of COVID-19 over the last week, most all of which are the Delta variant. And as of yesterday, uh, Barbara Ferrer says there are 645 people in the hospital with the virus. 22% of them are in ICU. Dean Sharp, uh, okay, here's my apology. Right out the gate. When Alex said we were going to talk house history, I went, oh, yay, yay, a history lesson uh -huh, at uh -huh. 539 in the morning. And then I read your uh -huh. notes and I went, God bless America. Now I have to apologize to him because I read this thing cover to cover, printed it out, walked downstairs and even shared it with my husband last night. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. When have I ever disappointed you, Jen? <sighs> Never. And how many times have I doubted you? Multiple. I know. Here. <sighs> That's me slapping my own hand. Oh, Dean, and by, good the morning. Way, by the way, yeah. by the way, by the way, why didn't you, why didn't you warn Tyler about me? Well, you're a lot more kinder and gentler than Handel. Oh, I'm a handful. <laughs> you, you are a handful in a different way. That is true. Tyler, Dean, Dean, Tyler, good luck with that. We've met. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. I'm nice. I'm nice. He's super I'm the nice. the easiest guy to get along with. All right. At Home with Dean is where you can follow him on yes. social media or just listen in to him tomorrow, 6 to 8 a.m., 9 to 11 on Sunday morning. All right, let's go over this house history. Can we start with making your bed? Because I immediately sure. went to that one, almost sure. trying to prove my own point. Like, <laughs> yay, let's get the history of making the bed. And then God bless America, there's a great story. Okay, so this weekend uh, we are doing uh, house history. And the, the purpose of looking back to the history of where certain facets of our home came from. Uh, there is a purpose. I do have a reason. And the reason <laughs> is not only to have a little fun with it, because there are some things that are pretty interesting and fun, but also uh, to realize that homes kind of have co-evolved with the lives of the people living in them. And when we understand 
where facets of our home come from. It frees us. It frees us to honor the past without having to be stuck in it. It allows us to understand and uh, to move beyond what I like to call the pot roast story, which is maybe another thing we can talk about too. But one of the fun little facts is uh, this term, making your bed, which has literally been turned upside down now uh, in modern days. Uh, it's uh, about 180 degrees opposite of what it used to mean. What it used to mean when we all used to sleep in the same room together, and that is the Great Hall, uh, back when uh, homes were essentially a gathering spot, a structure for the whole family and or tribe and or village to find shelter in one large structure. Uh, that structure was used for, you know, 800 different things, cooking, uh, gathering, eating, working, all of this kind of stuff, including sleeping, which meant there weren't beds just laying around uh, all over the place. Uh, when it came time to sleep, uh, finding a place to bed down, finding a place for you to uh, gather some hay, some straw, pull it together in a corner, grab a blanket, find a soft place to lie was your responsibility. It was literally when it was time to sleep, you would have the responsibility to make your, your own bed, bed for that I night. Love to make that. your bed. Now, of course, in the morning, once you get up, uh, you know, mom and dad are like, hey, make your bed. Uh, meaning put it back together again and make it look nice. Not exactly how it started. So making your bed, literally a thing uh, back in the Middle Ages and prior to that everybody had to do every night. Because if you didn't make your bed, you weren't sleeping soft anywhere. Okay, and now you've just armed all kinds of kids with a reason to tell their mom, I don't have to make my bed because that's not the real meaning of it. There you go. All right, what's the chairman of the board? The chair. <laughs> okay, so... In this great uh, hall, this great uh, uh, multi-purpose room, which, by the way, the original open concept, open plan area. Uh, in this hall, uh, when it came time to eat, uh, dining tables, this was before there was such a thing, really, as the dining table. Dining tables were essentially long planks that were propped up on both ends. Think of it as kind of long plank, rough planks propped up on you know, the modern day equivalent or the uh, ancient world equivalent of sawhorses. Okay, um, yeah. So, and uh, and folks who gathered to uh, sit around these boards, they were boards uh, that we ate on. When you gathered to sit around it, most everybody in the hall had uh, some kind of bench or another, not comfortable seating. Uh, comfort wasn't really the key. Uh, so you would grab a bench, and benches would get pulled up against uh, these boards, benches that during the day were getting used for other things, working, sewing, you know, whatever. Uh, so they would be pulled up, except, except for uh, maybe the, the big man, the big man on top, uh, the, the guy in charge of everything, the chieftain uh, or uh, the lord of, uh, of the village, that individual, in order to demonstrate wealth and power, would have perhaps his own chair. Oh, He would have a chair, not a bench, and that chair would usually be sitting, uh, as is still our custom today, at the head of the table, at the end. So he wasn't sitting along the sides with all the common folk. He was sitting at the end. And he was literally, literally, if you walked in, to an open hall and you were looking for the person in charge during a mealtime, you would look at the head and you would be looking for the chairman 
of the board. Oh, see? See, this is why I love this stuff. Okay, and I can't let you go with what's the pot roast story? The pot roast story is, uh, I don't know, you may have heard this before uh, because it gets applied to different things, but it's a general lesson about learning history. It's this story uh, that has gone around. I've heard it ever since I was a kid. And that was, you know, you got a family and uh, they loved uh, grandma's or great grandma's pot roast recipe. And uh, great grandma uh, every year would uh, make the pot roast and she would start by cutting the ends off the pot roast and then putting it in the pot and getting it all done and, you know, all the uh, spices and, and all that stuff. So for generation after generation, the family gets a pot, a perfectly good pot roast, cuts the ends off, puts it in until one day somebody asks, you know, wh why do we cut the end? What's what does that help? Why do we cut the end off the pot roast? Well, daughter asked mom. Mom didn't know. Mom asked uh, grandma. Grandma didn't know. Finally, grandma asked great grandma and great grandma's like, oh, oh, well, you don't have to. We we cut the ends off the pot roast because our pot wasn't big enough to fit the whole roast. Oh, unbelievable. And the so the, the lesson of the pot roast story is that there are all throughout our lives, especially when it comes to our homes, kind of these vestigial old ways of doing things that when you're thinking about remodeling, when you're thinking about breaking out, when you're thinking about updating and renewing and kind of stretching out and really making your home what it is, don't be afraid to break or bend or challenge some of the quote unquote rules. Okay. We got to find out what they are, why they're there, where they come from, and that way we will know whether this is something really important that everybody should uh, obey, like, uh, you know, having the right beam over your head so the house doesn't collapse, or <laughs> if it's something as vestigial, leftover, and inane as cutting the ends off the pot roast when we don't have to anymore. Dean, you are amazing. You never cease to amaze me, and uh, I love ch our chats on Friday mornings. Me too, Jan, even if you doubt me. I I. But again, I doubt you. I may a culpa. It was my bad this time. And as it is every time, you always give me fun stuff and great ideas. And I love the pot roast story. And now I got to share that with my mom. There you go. All right. Have a great weekend, Dean. Tomorrow morning, 6 to 8, 9 to 11 on Sunday. Follow him on social media at Home with Dean. I'll see you next week. Thanks, Jen. All right. Thanks. See you later. All right. When we come back, we are going to go live to Japan with ABC's Jim Ryan. Right now, the opening ceremonies of the Olympics are happening in Tokyo. We've got the uh, parade of athletes and the U.S., the Team USA just got there on buses and they're walking in right now to the arena area where they will go through their parade with the flags and the whole nine yards. So we'll get perspective from Jim in just a second. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Let's take you live to Tokyo and the opening ceremony of the Olympics. And there is ABC's Jim Ryan. What an assignment for you, Jim. Yeah, beautiful uh, evening here in Tokyo. Nearly 10 o'clock at night now. Sun went down a while ago. And then you had the fireworks going up over the, the skies over Tokyo. A giant arena, 40,000 seats. Of course, only 950 of those seats were occupied, one of them by First Lady Jill Biden. Emperor Naruhito is there as well. He will declare the 32nd Olympiad underway very shortly. Now, right now, the parade of athletes coming in. Niger was the last country to make its way through. Uh, those athletes, their team, and now uh, 205 all together will make their way through, and then the games will be declared open, Jen.
Yeah, I just saw Team USA lining up outside. It looks like it must be warm there. A lot of people carrying fans, and I know they were supposed to be wearing jackets, uh, you know, like sport coat kind of things, and they're all holding them. So it looks like it must be warm. It is warm. It's 82 degrees outside and warmer than that inside. There are lights on, of course, and I think you see that some of the athletes have kind of a glow to them. They're sweating <laughs> because it's warm in their costumes, you know, that represent their countries. So, uh, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. Also, I saw some flashes of lightning out on the horizon. They're hoping, certainly, that the weather doesn't interrupt any of the competition. I would say 95% of the people in the parade of athletes this morning that I've seen are wearing masks. Is it mandatory there right now for all of the athletes? It is. Yeah, it's something that everybody has to do. Masks are required. Social distancing is kind of the norm. Uh, this will go down, Jen, certainly as the COVID Olympics. The coronavirus and the pandemic are the backdrop for this entire event. But uh, competition will get under. In fact, already there there have uh, been some competitions leading up to this, some qualifying, and also uh, some some actual games. No no medals have been awarded, of course. Tomorrow we really get underway in earnest. Okay, and uh, as far as the stands, so there's sort of a red glow around the arena where the athletes are parading through, and it looks like um I, I don't know is it pieces of paper? What is that in the stands that sort of makes it look more full? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of multicolored cards or or multicolored seats that give you a different impression that the seats are occupied. They aren't, but it does look like that from a distance. Okay. The the lighting, by the way, changes color with the country that happens to be coming through uh, when. Uh, 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 Nick Rago came through a short time ago in their blue uniforms. The lights turn blue. And when uh, different countries, different colors come through with their costumes, then the lights change as well. I and this this part for me is so prideful for any any country that comes through. You get to have, you're, you're parading your flag through. Oftentimes you see them come through in some sort of native garb to their country. And that's all very cool. But I had to laugh. There was a uh, a very shirtless uh, Tongan man who was very greased up that that camera loved. I hadn't seen them focused on anybody <laughs> as much as this guy, and uh, it just made me laugh. I thought, wow, that Tonga is getting a lot of representation this yeah, morning. They know their audience, don't they? You watched. <laughs> Did you turn it down? Did you turn it off? No. Of course not. In fact, I think I just sat here and watched and looked over and told Alex, hey, Alex, watch the TV oh, right now if that. you're not. I don't know if he was greased up or if that was sweat. Again, I mean, it's, it is warm. <laughs> Everybody's sweating in there. So, yeah, they, uh, that guy was built. He, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, see, even you saw him. Okay, there you go. So when it comes to then the games today, what, what happens after the opening ceremonies? Well, everybody goes to bed. Obviously, it's late right. night here, but tomorrow we'll get underway. There'll be, be a lot of swimming underway. And interestingly, the, uh, uh, Ryan Murphy of the U.S. swimming team, somebody asked him about the, the lack of crowds in the stands. He says, sure, they draw energy and they draw enthusiasm from their fans who are there at poolside. But at the same time, he says... They can be a distraction, and so this uh, the COVID, uh, you know, the lockdowns or the the empty stands are giving him and his teammates the opportunity to focus on trying to win medals. Of course, I think he's trying to put the the best face on this situation. He certainly would rather have Americans there cheering him on. Now, in the team uh, Team USA, how many people do you have a count yet, or even an estimate of how many Olympians made it there and then either came down with COVID or in that or in that sort of bubble that COVID protocol, so they're not able to compete? Well, very few athletes actually. I think the last count was 110 people associated with the games. That's not necessarily athletes. That's mainly 
you know, technical people or assistant coaches or transportation people or something like that. But very few athletes. But uh, one uh, American beach volleyball player, it felt fine. He didn't have any symptoms at all, and he had tested negative before he left the U.S., arrives here in Japan, tests positive, tests positive again. They do a test just to ensure that it's not a false positive and it's confirmed that he has COVID-19. So he's going to have to sit in his hotel room and, and try to watch the competition while one uh. of his teammates fills in for him. But yeah, I mean, you can imagine the disappointment of training for years, that some of these folks training their whole lives to try to make it here and then being told, nope, sorry, you, you've uh, come up positive. All right. Well, Jim, we are going to be checking in with you pretty much all throughout the Olympics. I'm looking forward to your reports every morning at this time. We'll start Monday morning at uh, 5.50 with you again. So go get some rest and good luck for your first day of full-on competition tomorrow. Thanks, Jennifer. All right. Thanks. See you later. This is KFI and KOSTHD2 Los Angeles. This has been your wake-up call. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.